Greetings, everyone. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode number 13. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Now, as you can tell, I'm still recovering from a bout of ill health, but I'm feeling a lot, lot better this week. And I hope that comes across in the energy of this podcast. So, this week, I want to talk to you about life in Malawi, where I live. And the reason I want to do this is because I was talking to people in Malawi about a recent report by the Global Finance Magazine of the United States of America, which placed Malawi as the fourth poorest country in the world and stated that the top 10 poorest countries in the world were all in Africa. So there's no surprise there, given how the West traditionally and historically has reported about Africa and the reasons for that. So I wanted to talk about this on the podcast because although Malawi is portrayed as the fourth poorest country in the world, what life in a poor country is supposed to look like or feel like is not my experience of life in Malawi. And when I walk the streets in Malawi, I don't see people starving or children with flies hanging from their noses or people with eyelashes turned inwards so they can't see. And believe me, I've traveled almost the whole of the country. When I spoke to Malawians about the country's poverty ranking, they poured scorn on this type of reporting that continues to rank Malawi's poverty and the poverty of other African countries in terms that are not relative to Malawi or to Africa. The feeling is that the reports instead use terms that are fixed and terms that are usually rigged to measure how much Malawi is able to compete financially with the top economies in the world and how far away Malawi is from being able to financially compete with those huge, rich, white countries that have a long and recorded history of exploiting Africa. There was a recent video by the African Union ambassador to the United States of America, Dr. Arikana Chihombori Kwao, in which she talks about this unequal financial relationship and really breaks things down so that we can get a picture in our minds of why it is always easy for the West to categorise Africa as a continent that is failing economically. And if I can find the video, I'll put a link on that so you can see how she goes into this financial relationship and this financial reporting of Africa in much more detail than I'm going to go into it here. But if you're interested, you can pick it up there. But what she says in a nutshell is that it's common knowledge that these types of financial reporting systems are racially rigged and colonially rigged against Africa ever being able to get up off its continental knees economically. 
when placed in direct competition with its historical and cultural exploitative financial masters. It's just not going to happen without a radical overhaul of the way African countries and our leaders relate to their formal colonial masters, but more importantly, how those countries relate to each other so that they can form a huge trading block that acts as one and where its people move as one. And believe me, that work has started. But if you want a more simpler view of how inaccurate this sole measure of a country's standing is viewed, you only need to visit a country in Africa for yourself to see the real wealth of that country and to see that the wealth of that country rests in its people and in its people's resilience. No matter what the poverty rankings say, somehow the people make the wheels of the country turn and continue to turn, so money can flow. And the best thing is that no amount of financial starvation placed on African countries seems to affect each country's indomitable spirit to continue to rise through its people and through the efforts of its people. One of the most beautiful things that I love about Malawi is the indomitable spirit of its people who don't see themselves as poor and instead are always pointing to others who are much worse off than they are and offering prayers for them. Want an example of this? Malawians are shocked and feel sorry for people in the West who are homeless and do not have anywhere to live. Malawians cannot get their head around this. It shocks them because having a home and land to farm in Malawi is seen as a basic thing everyone must have if they're going to maintain a basic standard of living for themselves and their children. So Malawians find it incredulous that in Western countries and about which they've always been told are the richest countries in the world, They find it incredulous that people live on the streets and people regularly go hungry and have to go to food banks to feed themselves and their children. I mean, imagine the conversation between me and local Malawians as I try to explain that in the UK, the sixth richest country in the world, we have banks where people can go and withdraw food. It just does not compute. People go to bank for food in UK? You lie. That's usually how the conversation goes. Because the thought that people in the West go hungry or live on the streets in one of the richest countries in the world is literally unbelievable. So when I provide evidence of this, Malawians feel sorry for the suffering of Westerners and are thankful that they do not suffer in this way. How do you measure that? The answer is that that is not measured. Now, I'm not saying that Malawi doesn't have its problems. It does. For example, Malawi has a struggling healthcare system that performs poorly when meeting the demands of its people. Just like the UK has a struggling healthcare system, grappling with the same problems of supply and demand. And it certainly doesn't answer the concerns about the yearly increase in the number of Africans who risk their lives and risk everything 
to try to get to Europe at any and all costs. But even this picture is distorted because what we are not told is that Africans who have even the meagerest of means are voting with their feet and making it clear that they are not leaving their beloved African countries for anything that Western countries are offering, no matter how tough things might get. So what needs to be remembered is that matters are not helped by the absence of appropriate frames of reference when the West measures African countries against Western countries. Those Western terms of reference always depict in Africa in a subservient and poverty-stricken position in relation to themselves, without ever addressing the role the West plays in ensuring Africa is continually portrayed as an economic disaster. I know from experience, things aren't just naturally this way. And it's not even reported that despite the negative portrayals of Africa as a continent on its knees, every year, increasing numbers of Africans are packing their bags and leaving the West and are choosing to make an African country their permanent home. And I wanted to talk about some of the reasons why I chose to be one of those people who chose to live in Malawi, the fourth poorest country in the world. Now, I've already spoken in previous podcasts about the ease of running my business in Malawi because my business is an internet-based business. And I've also spoken about the ease of being able to travel between Malawi, where I live, and the UK whenever I need to have business meetings and do one or two things that can just be done a little bit more quickly when I'm in the UK. So in this podcast, I wanted to focus on some different reasons that make my life in Malawi one of the most positive and life-changing experiences I have ever given to myself as a gift. Firstly, there's the ability to have land for a home, for food and for business. In the UK, they don't even want you to own the door to your own home. Much less the land you're too small to swing a cat accommodation is built on. But in Malawi, remember I said that people feel that it is a fundamental right for you to have land to build your home and to farm so you can feed yourself, your children, your family, your village and ultimately help to feed others in the country with your surplus food. Now, I've posted a series of pictures online and in picture one, you'll see that I've posted the land that I was able to get. Now, when you look at the land, it's beach land. I mean, that's the equivalent to me saying that I'm going to buy beach land in Scarborough or Margate or Southport or any of these coastal areas in the West. I mean, it is literally impossible. But I have been able to come to Malawi and get land which is prime beach land. And this is where I will eventually build my family home, which will become an inheritance and an asset for my children and my family. And the beauty about this is that building your own home in Malawi is expected. 
and therefore it can be done at a fraction of the cost of buying land and building your own home in the UK. Heck, the majority of people in Malawi are owner-occupiers. Can you believe that? In the fourth poorest country in the world. The majority of people own their own homes, no matter how big, no matter how small. And let's not forget that if we're going to compare the homes that Malawians build and say that the homes are small, we need only look at where some people are living in London, in the back of people's gardens, in garden sheds. So let's not joke around here. The majority of people in Malawi are owner-occupiers, That house is theirs and that surety provides a great base for people to then try to address the other areas that are needed to improve their standard of living. The main detached bungalow type homes people are building in Malawi are the size of which the majority of us could never afford to purchase in some of the main areas of the UK. And those homes would not look out of place with basic starter homes in London that have beautiful hillside views and prices to match at over a million pounds. Add to this that a large proportion of people in Malawi own more than one home and you can see why a large proportion of the population also have rental money income streams. How many of us can say that in our sixth richest country in the world? This is why I say that if we don't visit Africa ourselves and see things through our own eyes, we won't and will never get the full picture of what life is like. Then there's the cleanliness of the food. My goodness, I mean, I'm a vegan. I cannot tell you how much weight this carries for me. Just look at picture number two that I posted of an organic roadside market selling just mangoes. You will see from the picture that these mangoes are beautiful. They're fresh, they're ripe, and you could almost eat them off the picture. But these types of markets you see every day, all year round in Malawi, as you're driving your car or driving around Malawi by public transport. And If you speak nicely to the bus driver, the bus driver will stop, let you buy your vegetables and wait for you. And then you get back on the bus and then you carry on with the journey. And because all Malawians do this, nobody bats an eyelid. I mean, can you imagine National Express stopping at a market for you to buy fruit and veg? It would never happen. In the picture, You can see all the mangoes you can buy in a pail for less than, now wait for it, one pound. You have to see the picture to believe your own eyes. I grew up at a time when mangoes belonged to your mum. And the closest you got to it was the seed, if you were lucky. And you had to share that with your brothers and sisters. So... Being able to eat mangoes to your heart's content for less than a pound is an absolute joy. And I can't tell you just how happy that makes me when it's mango season. What I also love about the food in Malawi is that I can have clean, authentic, transparent, garden-to-play eating. The vegetables are fresh and organically grown. 
sometimes when I'm in a particular part of the country, I know the farmer and I know where his vegetables are grown and I know that no pesticides are used because local farmers are growing for a waiting customer base. How many of us can say that? Very few people have allotments in the UK and this is probably the only place where you can get authentic, clean vegetables because most of the vegetables that we buy in our supermarkets are flown in from other parts of the world and how that's going to be affected when a lot of those vegetables come from Europe and we're on our way out of Europe, well, that's anybody's guess. But for me... I prefer to be in Malawi where I can get good, clean, fresh, organic vegetables. If I want tomatoes picked yesterday, I can get them. Or if I want cucumbers or celery or I fancy anything else, then I can get that. I also love the fact that the country eats seasonally. This means that we eat in rhythm with the land and we gorge on our favourite fruit and vegetables when they are in season, which for me are avocados in March and mangoes in October. Now, you should see my face in March when I'm in Malawi and avocados come out. I eat avocados like you would not believe. And I definitely eat avocados in a way that I could not afford to eat them in the UK. You know the picture. You're buying the little tutu anorexic avocados we get in supermarkets in the West for £1.50 to £2. And they're tiny. And when I'm in Malawi, I can buy one avocado that is four to five times the size, naturally and organically grown, than anything I can buy in the UK. And I can buy that for an eye-watering 25 pence per avocado. 25 pence. And when the avocado is out of season, that means you're coming to the last avocados left in the country. The price doubles to a bank-breaking 50 pence. I kid you not, 50 pence. And it is four times the size I was so greedy yesterday when the avocado came in because avocado is out of season. So I was so greedy when the avocado came in. I forgot to take a picture of it so I could show you the size of the thing for 50 pence. And it tastes completely different to anything you will ever eat in the UK. It tastes fresh and it tastes as if it's been recently picked And so you can see why I love eating seasonally, because when you eat seasonally, you learn to taste and appreciate what you are eating. And you learn that the foods you're eating in March are intended to provide the nutrients your body needs at that time. So that by the time the season comes around again, you've used up those nutrients and your body is ready for them again. So for me, When I'm home in Malawi, my eating is so much healthier and what I eat as a vegan is completely at home with the rest of the country because believe it or not, over 90% of the population eat at least four vegan main meals per week. I love eating here 
because eating always feels like a detox from the sugar and salt laced vegan diets of the West. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get ordinary vegetables grown with chemicals in Malawi. You can if that's your bag. All you have to do is go down to the local supermarket and make your expensive choices there. But what I don't like about these vegetables is the air miles these foods have covered before arriving in Malawi and then the picking and freezing and defrosting and shelving and the turnover and the fast striping. I don't like any of that. And if I want that, I can get that in the UK. But there is a market for them in Malawi. And that market is usually made up of the same people who would buy them in the UK. Then there's the freedom of movement around Africa. What can come as a complete surprise when you live in Africa is how easy it is to move around Africa and explore other neighbouring African countries. The coach systems that are set up in Malawi to get you around different countries are amazing. In picture three, which is a picture of African countries that currently belong to a regional trade and freedom of movement of people agreement, you can see that there are only 14 countries in the whole continent that are not signed up to any agreements. That leaves a massive 40 countries that can be explored with limited to no visa restrictions. That is massive. In the fourth poorest country in the world, I can book a return coach ticket for £36 and travel to South Africa and back. That's a distance of 2,738 miles for £36. I mean, that's comparative with EasyJet and Ryanair flying you to various parts of Europe for about, what, £99? And that's not all. I can also get coaches to Botswana, Kenya, Mozambique, Namibia, Lesotho, Zambia and Zimbabwe. The beautiful thing about this is that if I had a Malawian passport, I wouldn't even need a visa to get into any of these countries. And I could stay for up to 90 days because like most African countries, Malawi is part of several trade packs, which gives its people freedom of movement in the member countries I have mentioned. And they can stay for up to 90 days. Now, the long term aim is for all countries in Africa to move further and further towards freedom of movement for its people across the continent of Africa and not just in our own specific trade agreement territories. And so there will come a time when all of the freedom of movement agreements will be the same. And I particularly look forward to that time. Because freedom of movement brings a whole new meaning to let's have a weekend away. Because that weekend away can include visiting a totally new African country to attend a cultural event or a community event or a family event or just to go looky-see. To me, 
That's brilliant. As somebody that has always wanted to explore Africa, the opportunity to do that at these small, small fractions of costs is like an opportunity I don't want to miss. And let's not even mention the exposure we get from hearing different African languages and being exposed to different aspects of African culture. Add to this how freedom of movement could enhance your business if you have a product-based business and you're flying. You could be purchasing all kinds of authentic products from different African countries with the intention of making a healthy profit trading these products to local and international customers. The potential is endless. Another big reason why I love living in Malawi is the love the Malawian people have for each other, for other Africans visiting Malawi and for tourists in general who visit the country in huge numbers. They don't call Malawi the warm heart of Africa for nothing. In 2010, Lonely Planet voted Malawi as one of the top 10 friendliest countries in the world. And in 2018, Malawi was voted one of the top eight friendliest countries in the world to visit by Travel Focus, who said that Malawians are some of the friendliest people you will ever meet. And they're not wrong. Travel Focus pointed out other elements of a friendly country as being low crime rates, a love for tourists and a beautiful environment. And I can tell you that Malawi has all of these. Other countries in this prized group are Germany, the Netherlands, Fiji, Vietnam, Turkey, Canada and Ireland. Notice there's no America, there's no UK, there's no Australia, there's no New Zealand and these are some of the richest countries in the world that are not seen as friendlier to people who are different than Malawi, which is regarded as one of the top eight friendliest countries in the world. And for me, there is a huge statement in that. I love the vibe of the people and in my local community, I want for nothing as long as I'm not too proud to ask Because pride is one thing Malawians do not let get in the way of asking for or giving help. For example, you can't go without food in your local community. You can knock on any door in your local community and say you're hungry and you will be given food, whether you are known to the people or not. If you see a tree that has overhanging fruit in your path, you can pick that fruit and eat it and no one will say anything to you. Instead, they're more likely to greet you than pick fruit and eat with you as you both walk along the path to where you're going. Or if one house has electricity, locals charge their phone at that house and that is accepted as normal. It's normal, community, loving, caring and sharing. I could never charge my phone at my neighbour's house in the UK. I don't even know who my next door neighbour is. And that's the case for the majority of people living in the UK. It is a complaint year after year that we have elders living in the UK who sometimes don't speak to another adult 
for over a month, and yet they've got neighbours living on either side. But Malawi is the fourth poorest country in the world. Malawi is also well known for not waiting for international aid to arrive before helping its people, preferring instead to pool community resources together to help their communities as best they can. And we could see that in action when we saw what happened to the communities in Chikwawa when Cyclone Ida hit that part of the country in March earlier this year. Malawians are well used to these seasonal changes in the weather and the impact this can have on its people. And so local people put in place some regular community responses which kick in once local communities see their community members in distress. Oftentimes, aid arrives too late. Malawians have already dealt with the critical needs of their people and have moved on to attend to their farms and livestock. I love it because it creates a wonderful can-do spirit which you see all around the country. No job is too big or small and failure is not an option until absolutely everything has been tried to help you. This is the kind of spirit you can look forward to in the fourth poorest country in the world. And finally, there's reggae music. You would think that Malawi was an island situated next to Jamaica, given how much reggae music is loved in Malawi. In fact, reggae music is loved so much, it has become the national music of the nation. And every week, Thousands of people go to live shows by their top bands to listen to reggae music played live whilst they shack out. Don't believe me? Listen to this short piece played by Malawi's top reggae band, The Black Missionaries. and sung 
in Malawi, and this is only one section of the country. All over the country, this is happening. Now, because the podcast space is quite small, I'm going to upload a video of Malawi's second largest artist, Anthony Makondetsa, who is tuning his band for a reggae performance. And what I want you to look at is not just the tuning for reggae music, but look at the amount of people who are standing there waiting to listen to this show. This is a Sunday at eight o'clock at night and people are standing there waiting and dancing to the tune-up. You have to see it to believe it. So if there's enough space, I will put a link to the video. You'll find the link at the end of the show notes and just click that link, download the video and see for yourself. If you're a raver, Malawi is the place for you. Almost every week there are live gigs spread across the country and somewhere in your village. And if not, there are small bars in every community where you can go and hear the latest reggae and Afrobeats tunes. And you can go all night if you want to. It's like being in the UK if you're a music lover like me. And if you want to get into a local live show, you're not going to pay more than £3 to get into that show with cheap drinks prices, much, much cheaper than anything you're going to find on road in the UK. These are the main reasons I love living in Malawi and why for me, when you live in a hostile environment like the UK, you learn to appreciate and value the simpler things in life and a simpler way of living. I live, apparently, in the fourth poorest country in the world. But I can tell you, the life I live makes me feel like I live in one of the richest countries in the world world. And I'm not just saying that for the podcast. I'm saying that because that is my reality. And I would love for you to come and test this out for yourself. Because Malawi is one of those countries that has an open door policy for its visitors. You are welcome here. As long as you comply with the visa requirements, you are welcome here. And you can stay for as long as 90 days with a UK passport. So why not give it a try? In October 2020, I'm going to be organising a tour of Malawi. Now, in days to come... What's going to happen is that I'm going to start to post expressions of interest forms on my social media sites. So look out for that. If you're interested, grab one of these forms, fill it in. It doesn't commit you to anything. It just gives me an idea of who is likely to be interested because the numbers are only going to be small, no more than 20 people. Because at those numbers, we can get the best experience Malawi has to offer you. So look out for that. And I'll continue to say more about that in future podcasts. 
Thanks for being part of this week's session and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Me, I've loved it because it's given me an opportunity to try to give you an idea of what life is like for me here in Malawi. Next week, I hope to bring you coverage of one of the biggest reggae concerts in Malawi as Malawians celebrate the nation's independence on the 6th of July at Hotel Kabumba in Salima, which is the coastal region of the country. It's going to be massive. I can't wait. I hope you're looking forward to that as much as I am. Until then, you've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha and I'm out. (laughs) 